love triangles, forbidden love, deception, money, and murder. You would expect to find these things in TV dramas, but this was the reality of the marriage between Philip I, brother to Louis XIV, and his first wife, Henriette Anne. Their marriage altered the relationship between Philip and his brother, the Sun King, and scandalized the court. The question is, was Madame poisoned? Let's find out. Welcome, my loves, to Poisonous Affairs. I'll be discussing the sordid details of some of the most talked-about scandals that rocked the 17th century French and English courts. It's all about lust, power, greed, and murder. <laughs> Before I get into the meat of this story, I would like to thank everyone who has listened, watched, shared, and liked the content of these February special episodes. It really means the world to me, and I can't thank you for all your support. I mean, oh my God, I love you. And also, don't forget to follow us across social media. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, and you'll find the link in the show notes, as well as the links to all the articles I mention in this episode. So without further ado, my friends, let's dive right in. So before jumping into the story, I want to introduce to you the key players. I want to give you a little insight into who they are, and I want you to get familiar with their names. So first up, we have Monsieur, brother of Louis Fourteenth. So born in 1640, Philippe de France, brother of Louis XIV, known as Monsieur, played no part in the political affairs of the kingdom. Known for preferring his male favorites to his wives, and he was more at home in Paris than at Versailles, he won a famous military victory over William of Orange in 1677. He was always the life of the party, and he was a great fan of effeminate clothing and extravagant outfits. He was, as I mentioned, surrounded by his male lovers or male favorites and given to what was euphemistically termed the Italian vice, which was homosexuality. Now, Philippe de France was kept at a safe distance from political matters by the king who allegedly did not approve of his behavior. Apart from his male lovers, um, there were rumors at court that Philippe, in fact, had a mistress and had shown an interest in a duchess who was a niece of Cardinal Mazarin. Now, all this, quote-unquote, scandalous behavior often overshadows the fact that Philippe was a successful military commander during the War of Devolution in 1667. Um, in 1676 and 1677, he took part in the sieges in Flanders and was promoted to the rank of lieutenant general, which made him second in command to Louis XIV himself. So he proved himself many, many times in battle. In 1671, 11 years after the death of his first wife, who's the subject or topic of today's Poisonous Affairs episode, um, his brother forced him to marry Princess Elizabeth Charlotte, Madame Palatine. Now, he had three children with his second wife, and this is including Philip II, Duke of Orléans, and Mademoiselle de Chartres. So 
The son that Philip had with his second wife would go on to rule as regent until Louis XV came of age. So let's talk about Monsieur Philip, um, his first his first wife, Henrietta Anne of England, known as Henriette d'Angleterre in France, and Minette to her intimates. She was known officially as Madame. So if you hear me say Madame and Monsieur, you know that I'm referring to Philippe and Henrietta. So uh, she was officially known as Madame and was ever popular with the French court. Now, she comes from the House of Stuart, and she was born on the 16th of June, 1644. She was the youngest daughter of King Charles I of England and Queen Henrietta Maria. So when Charles I was executed in 1649 because there was civil unrest in England, um, Madame, or who would become eventually Madame, her mother, so Queen Henrietta Maria, and her governess fled to France and they moved to the court of her first cousin, King Louis XIV of France. Now, although she was thought to be too skinny to be considered a great beauty, she was charming, flirtatious, and vivacious. She played a role in politics with her close relationship with Louis XIV and even served as a diplomat in negotiations with Charles II, her brother. So she eventually married her cousin, Philip I, Monsieur, Duke of Orléans. I also would like to add that some say that Madame's mother, so Queen Henrietta Maria, wanted her daughter to marry King Louis. But King Louis's mother said no, that she had other plans for her son to marry. So King Louis, as we mentioned in the first episode, eventually married Maria Theresa of Spain, also known as Maria Theresa of Austria, in 1660, who happened to be his double first cousin. So we're keeping it all in the family already. (laughs) So the marriage started well and Philippe seems to have been a doting husband. But there are some that say that it was likely all an act. He had no great affection for Henriette. I don't know. All we know is that it was a rocky marriage due to many factors. I mean, like we've mentioned previously, a lot of these marriages were more political, were meant to be alliances and to increase people's wealth and fortunes so again we don't know we weren't there we can speculate did he love her did he not does it really matter not really but it certainly makes for some juicy gossip and we're all into the gossip friends we are all into the historical gossip so a year into the marriage um, madame gave birth to a daughter later baptized marie louise now, court gossip later said that the king was the father of Madame's first child. Now, Madame was very open when it came to her flirting, and it's said to have caused a jealous Philip to retaliate by beginning to flaunt his sexuality openly in a less than accepting era. So Madame's flirting with the king started early in the summer of 1661, while the newlyweds, so Madame and Monsieur, were staying at the Palace of Fontainebleau for the summer. So Philippe complained to his mother about the intimacy that Louis and Madame displayed, which led Queen Anne to reprimand both son and daughter-in-law. Relations were further strained when Madame allegedly, and listen to this, seduced Philippe's old lover, the Comte de Guiche. Oh my... 
So it's okay for you to go on having your affairs and doing whatever you're doing, but when your wife does it, you go complaining to your mama. <laughs> side eye, side eye. <laughs> so soon after he was chastised by his mother, <laughs> Louis started an affair with one of uh, Madame's ladies-in-waiting, Louise de la Valliere, who would later become... Louis XIV's first official mistress. So she joined Madame's household at the end of 1661. Now, the couple's next child was a son born in July 1664, and he was given the title Duke of Valois. Now, the son died in 1666 of convulsions after being baptized Philippe Charles hours before his death. Now, the loss of the little Duke um, affected madame greatly after that she gave birth to a stillborn daughter in july 1665 then she gave birth to another daughter in 1669 who was baptized anne marie in 1670 now the couple had three children that survived in addition to the four miscarriages and one stillbirth that madame uh, went through now, in 1666, I know I'm throwing a whole bunch of dates at you, but this is important. In 1666, her husband's most prominent lover, the Chevalier de Lorraine, came to live with them. Lorraine often vied for power within Philippe's household, which was an unusual arrangement for the time. To tell you the truth, it's an unusual arrangement for any time, but okay. And so the Duke, so Monsieur even told his wife that he could never love her without Lorraine's permission. I beg your pardon? <laughs> oh, my God. So, as you can imagine, Madame and Monsieur's marriage was not a very happy one. I don't know about all of you, but I'm clutching my non-existent pearls. I can't love you unless I have the permission of my lover to love you. <laughs> Excuse, I, I beg your pardon. Excuse, repeat that to me again. <laughs> what? Madame has often been praised as a cultured princess, and her correspondence with Molière, Racine, La Fontaine, Bussy, Raboutin, and others is notable. She was also a lover of gardening and created a water garden at the Palais Royal. She also amassed a large and prestigious picture collection that included paintings by Van Dyck and Caraggio. She's best known to political historians in France for her part in negotiating the secret treaty of Dover, an offensive and defensive treaty between England and France that was signed at Dover on the 1st of June, 1670. It required France to assist England in her aim to rejoin the Roman Catholic Church and England to assist France in her war of conquest against the Dutch Republic. So when she returned to France at the end of June 1670, Madame had to endure Philippe's blatant spite. Number one, because she had apparently the Chevalier exiled and number two, because of her secret mission to Dover that he was unaware of. Is everybody still with me? I know this is a little bit complicated, but I'm giving you a little bit of a background to show you what kind of marriage Madame and Monsieur had. <laughs> now, I want to introduce to you two of Monsieur's most um, prominent lovers, I guess. 
Um, one of them was the Comte de Guiche uh, that apparently Madame had an affair with as well. So this guy had a reputation to be a great lover, a libertine, a brave soldier, a hero on the battlefield, and he even swam the Rhine with a whole army following him. Now, I've seen portraits of the Comte de Guiche, and I'm going to tell you, he was a very handsome man. Very handsome. I'm not into men, but this guy, he was handsome. So Armand grew up to be a rather handsome man and was for a long time regarded as the most handsome fellow of the whole court. It's not surprising that he attracted both females and males as lovers. It made him rather vain, and he soon was not just the handsomest man at court, but also the most conceited one. I think that's the worst thing, actually. He was not the only one of his siblings to be praised for how gorgeous he was. His sister, uh, Catherine Charlotte, was a celebrated beauty of the court. Uh... His sister married the heir to the Principality of Monaco in 1660, um, who eventually inherited the title of Prince of Monaco two years later. Now get this. The princess found her way into the bed of Louis XIV. Let me ask you this. Who didn't find their way into his bed? Because this guy was bedding everyone left and right. I'm telling you, like, (laughs) I'm surprised. I want to know the names of people who weren't in bed with him. Now, the Comte de Guiche was exiled three or four times. <laughs> and once in 1660, he even landed in the Bastille. Now we get to Philippe of Lorraine or the Chevalier de Lorraine. He's the one who <laughs> Philippe moved in. They, they moved in together with Philippe's wife. I mean, the fuckery, I'm telling you. Anyway, um... He was a French nobleman and a member of the House of Guise. Now, Philippe was the titular abbot of four abbeys. At the end of his life, by 1701, Dolorraine had lost much of his furniture in his apartment at the Palais Royal and in his country residence. He lost his four abbeys and all of the money he had obtained, more or less with permission, from the coffers of the state by gambling and exploitation of his lovers. Now, Saint-Simon, he, w- he was kind of like a court historian, also said that Lorraine married in secret his cousin, Beatrice Hieronyme de Lorraine. She was an abbess of Rémy Remont. So this guy, Philippe de Lorraine, he was exiled twice. Um, and Lorraine died in 1702 at the age of 59 from a fit of apoplexy. I don't know why this is important, but apparently he died the day after he slept with a woman. I'm not too sure why that's so important to know. But if you're asking what is apoplexy, it's a rupture of an internal organ and the accompanying symptoms. So the term formerly referred to what is now called a stroke. So nowadays, healthcare professionals um, don't use apoplexy as the term, but instead specify the anatomic location of the bleeding, such as cerebral, ovarian, or pituitary. So that is what apoplexy is, and now we call it a stroke. Now, I know I just bombarded you with a whole bunch of names, dates, but I wanted to kind of set the stage and introduce to you the main players and for you to familiarize yourself with all these names. But now we're getting into the juicy bit of the mysterious death of Madame Duchesse d'Orléans. 
So the Duchesse d'Orléans, the sister-in-law of Louis XIV, took a drink of her usual chicory water and immediately clutched her side, crying out in pain. Pale and in obvious distress, she was put to bed, but her pains were so severe that she believed she must have been poisoned and asked for an antidote. As her husband, Monsieur, rushed to her bedside, Henriette chided him, Alas, Monsieur, it is a long time since you loved me, but this is unjust. Alerted, Henriette's lady-in-waiting watched the Duke closely, but he showed no indication of guilt and every sign that he was distressed by his wife's condition. Madame's physicians diagnosed colic and assured her that she would soon recover, but it was clear that she was dying. As she made her last confession, the English ambassador, Lord Montague, asked Madame if she believed she had been poisoned. Her confessor, however, urged her to accuse no one but to make her death an offering to God. This motherfucker! Madame answered Lord Montague with a shrug. She didn't know. In the early hours of the 30th of June, she died. She was 26 at a mass said for her soul, Bishop Bousset conveyed the sense of shock at her sudden death. O oh, disastrous night, O oh, dreadful night, in which resounded like a clap of thunder the unbelievable words, Madame is dying, Madame is dead. Speculation that Henriette had been poisoned began straight away. Queen Marie-Thérèse noted that everyone was talking about Madame's death and the manner of it. Louis' suspicion had been aroused and he ordered an autopsy, which was performed by French doctors and witnessed by others sent from England. Madame's liver and intestines were found to be badly corrupted, while her duodenum, gallbladder, and the lower portion of her abdomen were filled with an evil-smelling bile. There was no indication of poisoning, so death was attributed to cholera morbus, caused by corrupt and boiling bile, which had led to gangrene in the entrails and other parts of the lower abdomen. I hope no one's eating, by the way. <clears throat> Although Lord Montague accepted this, he had misgivings. He expressed his doubts to the grief-stricken Charles II, who earnestly believed that his sister had been murdered. His belief was shared by Elizabeth Charlotte, Philip's second wife, who named the culprits as Lorraine and the Marquis de Fiat, an equerry who had acted without Philip's knowledge. Much later, the courtier Saint-Simon offered his own thoughts. Seizing upon Madame's dying reproach of Philippe, he asserted that she had been the victim of a plot orchestrated by Lorraine, who held Henriette responsible for his exile and sought revenge. He sent poison to Paris, where it passed through several hands before ending up in the jug containing the chicory water. This was served to Madame by her unsuspecting maid. The sudden onset of Madame's illness, the severe pain, and the short time between the onset of her symptoms and her death suggested to her contemporaries that she had been poisoned. Cultural factors, too, played a part. The death of someone so young was often attributed to poison. Madame, however, 
was never robust and often experienced such terrible pains in her side that she would lie on the floor to find respite. When she traveled to England, she was excited at the prospect of seeing her brother, Charles, again. Her cheeriness disguised the fact that she was unwell. Suffering from digestive problems, she lived on a diet consisting primarily of milk. Easily tired, she withdrew whenever the party stopped for the night, usually going straight to bed. One witness observed that Madame looked like a dressed corpse upon whom someone had put some rouge, while others thought she had death painted on her face. Today, speculation has attributed Madame's death to intestinal blockage, ectopic pregnancy, or tuberculosis affecting the peritoneum. Another suggestion is that she had porphyria, although she displayed none of its symptoms. Another possibility is that she suffered from anorexia nervosa, which is often characterized by increasing frailty and hyperactivity. The summer of 1670 had been particularly hot, and Madame would swim in the river. Unable to sleep, she walked in the gardens at night. She had always been painfully thin, and Louis once tactlessly referred to her as the bones of the holy innocents. This motherfucker! Another possibility is that she had a duodenal ulcer which burst, leading to peritonitis. Similarly, perforation of the gallbladder may have led to an excess of bile leaking into the peritoneum, causing the corruption and gangrene reported by her doctors. The true cause of Henriette's death can never be known, but one thing is certain, this beloved princess was sadly missed. As Madame de Sévigny wrote, she was taken ill and died within eight hours, and we have lost with her all the joy, all the charm, and all the pleasures of the court. Although some believed Philippe was involved, the most popular theory at the time was that the Chevalier de Lorraine had organized the murder by using poison without the involvement of Monsieur. I'll let you draw your own conclusions. We have come to the end of this episode, and I really hope you enjoyed it. Tune in next week for the final episode of Poisonous Affairs. Remember that life is stranger and more fucked up than fiction. Stay safe, my loves, and have a wonderful weekend.